I V M. Welcome to the Equity Sahi podcast with Motilal Oswal Asset Management Company. This podcast will delve into the investment insights and philosophies of Motilal Oswal Asset Management Company and speak about the frameworks used by them to assess various sectors for investment. Welcome to the Equity Sahi podcast brought to you by Motilal Oswal Asset Management Company. I am your host Anupam Gupta. This is a two-part series focusing on the banking sector. In this first part, we build the case for investing in the banking sector as a proxy to India's growth. My guest for this two-part series is Shrey Lunkar, Senior Vice President and Fund Manager, PMS at Motilal Oswal Asset Management Company. Shrey is a chartered accountant and a CFA. In the past, he has worked with Reliance Nippon Life Asset Management and Ernst & Young. So, Shrey, welcome to the show. Let's get started straight away with India's banking sector. Tell our listeners about the evolution of India's banking sector, how you assess it and the opportunity that you see. Because when you look at it from Motilal Oswal's investment thesis, the banking sector really fits perfectly well. Let's start with that. So thank you so much Anupam for having me over. So banking sector just to think of it simply is just a reflection of the economy. As the economy changes its texture and composition that's what gets reflected even in the banking sector. Just to give you a very simple way of looking at the last 20 years timeline or 30 years timeline is earlier we were a very agrarian agriculture depended or driven economy. Then we shifted to the services side of the economy with the IT sector Y2K era where the IT sector really took us to an export frontier. Then after that came the infrastructure-led boom, which took our economic growth, which was led and pushed by infrastructure spending. Now in the last 10 years, because infra- infrastructure has really suffered, retail, it's made room. And now retail lending has really picked up in the last 7-8 years in a, in a very big way. And hopefully in the next 10 years, the wave that we may see, which may drive credit growth would be manufacturing sector. Also, what happens is, if you really see from from an evolution perspective, even the borrower, the type of borrower has changed. Earlier, government used to borrow the largest share of large share of the deposits used to get channelized to the public sector, to the governments. Then came an event when private sector participation started increasing because of services and because of infrastructure spending. And that's when they started borrowing a lot more. And now in the last seven, eight years, you've seen you and I as individual Indians have started borrowing a lot more for our consumption. And at some point, this this will also change. This will also get further texturized. But what is remarkable in this entire evolution is as a country, we are very, very domesticated. That is 75% of our own funding is funded by Indians only. So we don't rely on external borrowings as much. And as a result, what happens is all our problems are our problems. Mm. And that is why only we can fix it internally. We don't we don't get so much impacted with any global uh, issues mm. in a very material way. Mm. So that is a good part about our uh, the evolution so far. And that is why we remain a very domesticated country. Yeah. And we remain insulated by and far. So, say, you know... The banking sector also presents a whole lot of opportunities. Anecdotally, we know that people in India are a little bit averse to taking debt. I remember a time when my father was looking out for a loan to buy a house. Unfortunately, there was no bank, there was no NBFC that was willing to give him a home loan. But So he had to raise it with friends and family. Now, when I look at how things have developed, it's a, a home loan is such a normal product. But at the same time, it's not that penetrated. I know that 
you've got some really good numbers on penetration of various financial products let's go through that to give an idea to our listeners of the scope and the potential that is there in the sector that's a good point anupam actually if you um you know what you experience in your life as you articulated as what each one of us experienced but let me put a context before i give you the penetration uh, led data uh, let me put a context to the whole uh, penetration why the penetration and how it has evolved that there are two drivers of penetration everywhere one is the cost of credit that means at which rate are you borrowing the second is the availability are people willing to lend to you both these things have st- structurally changed over the you know long as you mentioned when your father may want to be borrowing yeah. he was a willing borrower yeah. but there were two problems one he had to borrow at a 20% for a home loan even then which was very high or there was a problem number 2 which was that there was nobody willing to lend to him yeah. at that yeah, point yeah. of time so this is the availability part of it so let i'll cover both these separately sure, sure. now the cost of credit what happens is typically we move from a very high interest rate environment to a low interest rate environment and now in future we hopefully we will go into a lower interest rate environment as well this is typically manifested by the sheer fact that we are becoming from a de- we are shifting we are progressing from a developing status to a developed status yeah, yeah. in future and that is why this also reflects also what happens is as competition also increases automatically the penetration really gets pushes out also so this is what will drive the cost of credit and as cost of credit falls more people are more willing to take loans yeah. so that is one vector of the penetration the second vector is the availability of credit in availability what used to happen as i mentioned before that most of the deposits used to get channelized for government funding the government earlier as a result what used to happen is there used to be very little left to be lent to anyone else and that is what in economics we call it a concept of crowding out mm. earlier it was the government sector who was the biggest borrower so nobody else could get their due share then came the private sector private uh, corporates who started borrowing heavily so nobody got the due share now in the last 7 years because both these category of borrowers have not borrowed heavily retail has got a massive uh, leg up mm. in borrowing that kind of explains why i get so many calls for sir loan personal loan auto loan this loan that yeah, loan absolutely and yeah. i think a linked point to that is the reason why you get so many calls <laughs> is because now there is so much of data that uh, every institution has about oh, yeah, anupam yeah, 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 yeah. that they are more and more willing and more comfortable to lend to you they have my credit score and they have a lot of other stuff yes fantastic now just coming to the um, hard penetration led data mm, mm. Uh, you know so there are two ways we see penetration one is at a macro level and the second is at a micro level sure. at a macro level what happens is that when you look at a simple metric that we will, we may want to talk about is credit to gdp ratio the credit to gdp ratio of india is about 60 to 70% which means that the loans given by all the banks put together divided by the gdp correct okay is about 60 to 70% sure this when we compare to china when we compare to uk us all are above two and a half to three times that's 250% oh you're saying of hours. of hours okay wow so so actually even if we triple from here the loans we may call it in line with china or uk and that makes sense right because you said that this our economy is domesticated and the banking sector as such is still not at a matured phase so this is in in line with that okay correct the second way of looking at penetration is looking at some micro data sure so today in india we have about 130 crore population so yes. we are a very populous country our population is the same as china but just to think of it today there are only 6 out of 100 people who have retail loans today mm. even out of those 6 people out of 100 people only 3 people have only one loan outstanding wow. with okay. them and retail loan covers autos loan against anything it includes auto loans home loans 
कार लोन्स क्रेडिट कार्ड पर्सनल पर्सनल लोन्स कंज्यूमर ड्यूरेबल लोन्स एवरी टाइप ऑफ टाइप ओके सो जस्ट इमेजिन इफ आउट ऑफ हंड्रेड एवरी हंड्रेड पीपल यू सी देर आर ओनली सिक्स पीपल हु आर टूडे लाइव कस्टमर्स ऑफ द बैंकिंग सेक्टर so you can imagine there's another 94 to go maybe not entire 94 but a fair share of 94 will come into the fold and three have just one single loan and they could wrap out up of every six people three have just yeah because loan. if you look at yourself like i would think that i would at least have a credit card if i if i started my career i would at least have a credit card i would ha- want a two wheeler so i'll have a two wheeler loan five years 10 years down the line i i might want a home so i'll so i'll take a home so during an individual life cycle there's a very high chance that he'll have multiple levels of loans at okay. least 3 to 4 loans sure absolutely okay. the second way of thinking about it is you mentioned about your father who wanted to buy a house mm. today even after all this that you know such a long way we've come mm. but still there are less than uh, there's there's just about 1 in 70 people today who have taken a mortgage loan wow. in india okay uh, so the context is just so large that we have just barely scratched the surface just yet as yet you know the other way of thinking which may be very intuitive for the for the listeners is uh, you know out of 130 crore people in india there are about 80 crore debit cards already issued to individuals out of that the credit card base is just about 3 crores even now wow so and even this 3 crores when you talk about unique card holders because most of us will have more than one credit card yes to the unique customers who have credit cards is even less yeah. to even imagine this in the context that there are almost 10 crore passport holders mm-hmm. so every passport holder has been traveling overseas yeah. but only 30% of the passport holders have actually yeah, you would cards. assume right if you if you're someone who's traveling abroad the least you would you is you would have a credit card because you know you have to spend out the you won't carry so much of cash but despite that you're saying that out of 10 crore passport holders assuming you know that those that the 3 crore credit card holders are from that population even that looks like a very low number very low number okay and also what is happening is there's also mindset issue as you mentioned that today indians are taking to credit the attitude towards taking loan is also changing we are in a way americanizing ourselves we are becoming more amenable to credit because of two reasons the cost of credit coming down and the availability of credit going up yeah so that is also increasing our mindset are opening up take credit to consume okay so you know from the Mo- from from motilal oswal's philosophy you've got a sector where there are two things very clear one is the growth opportunities are there and the second is that there is there's enough choice to ride that growth okay we know all this now but now we come to the tough part okay that there is a certain dead weight or there is a certain weight attached to the foot of this sector which is dragging it along we know it as a npl crisis okay Let's get into the basics of that. Where did this NPL crisis start? I know it's not new. India has seen this in the 90s also when the steel sector and all those sectors at that point of time went through a bust. We're seeing that now again happen uh, in this cycle. So let's get down into the NPL cycle, its past, and putting it into context for today. So you you rightly pointed out we've seen this NPL cycle before, and as I said, it's a reflection of economy. As the economy goes through a high growth phase and then a slow growth phase. NPL cycle is inevitable. Uh, we have seen it before. We are seeing it today, and we will again see it in the future as well. But just to contextualize where we are today, to think of it today, the biggest problem in the NPLs are coming from the corporate sector. And as I said, the corporate sector had overspent and overlevered themselves to such an extent, and then which followed with a phase of policy environment worsening. Chronologically, this is two thousand three, two thousand eight, which was a boom period, which is when infra and all of that had a massive boom, and all of that was credit fueled. 
all of it was credit fueled right so the scale today of problems is almost 25 to 30% of the corporate loans out there are already stressed wow uh, and that's a very high number yeah. uh, this is so large that for any other economy <laughs> it would have gone into an emergency situation but yeah. india is still a lot more resilient the other way of contextualizing the size of the problem is over the last 3 years uh, when you take the profits of banking sector the and the non banking financial which is nbfc sector yeah. and the housing finance companies if you total up all the profits in 2013 uh, just 3 years ago 15 the yeah. uh, 15 the yeah. profits was about 1 lakh crores and 2018 the entire sector the entire sector put together in fi15 in fi15 was 1 lakh crores okay. and today in 2018 when we look at the aggregates uh, there is a loss of 5000 crores versus oh, a law wow. of profit of 1 lakh crores wow. so that is the size of the problem that we had to digest yeah. the other way of thinking about it is psu banks mm. uh, which has been the largest market share mm. uh, in these loans uh, they haven't really made any money in the last 5 years so that is a kind of that's a that's a journey that we've already crossed is the point i'm trying to make and and what's important is today although the the size of the problem really looks scary mm. but we need to contextualize why this is yeah and as i said you know in 2003 to 2010 we had a massive infrastructure boom and infrastructure is very heavy expenditure you know a, a, a metro will take anything between 25 to 30000 crores to build a metro yeah. so the size of the problems the size of the expenditure is very high and, and no, as a result it's also not unique to india right i mean this is any infrastructure boom anywhere in the world you would expect some amount of role of credit to play absolutely and there's also part of how economic cycles work out absolutely so what? that is what happened because sure. it was debt intensive and then what followed after putting up so much of money which was borrowed into infrastructure assets the internal and the external environment worsened hmm. and which led and which unfortunately has been actually quite prolonged because we've now been 7 to 8 years and we are still talking about growth not being at the level at which we would want yeah you may want to imagine that you know if we if we were to just split the last 14 years into two halves sure. the first 7 years and the last 7 years which is the recent 7 years we have actually grown slower by 25% mm. in the last 7 years uh, and also the quality of growth has been very inflation led yeah. so the slowdown has what it what it does is it leads to lower capacity utilization of the assets sure and if because of the lower capacity utilization the entrepreneur makes less money not enough probably to even service the debt debt yeah and as a result the npl problem arises yeah. and as a result the capital investment cycle also gets prolonged and delayed because the entrepreneur wants to first fix the current problem and then only he can think about future capacities mm. and this all has to do with the just a corporate profitability at the end of the day if you want to measure one simple single vector mm. which determines capital investment cycle in my view it's the corporate profits to gdp sure the corporate profits to gdp today is about at 2.8% mm. of gdp is the corporate profits that is existing in india yeah. this number was 5.5% 10 years ago wow so from 5.5% we've come down to 2.8% halved it's almost halved yeah. and this 2.8% The last time when India saw this 2.8% was in 2003 which is almost 15 years ago. So on a percentage level we are 13 we we've actually rolled back all the way 13 years ago. Correct. That's the kind of shrinkage that has happened at the profitable because we know GDP has grown. Correct. Right. Shree there has there has to be a silver lining out here. Okay if this is you know this sounds really dull depressing and like you had said that if it was any other country it might have been it it might have gone into crisis. Thankfully we are not there. I'm very sure that somewhere, 
like all NPL cycles brought him out and then started improving, like economy started improving, there has to be a silver lining. Tell us about that. Absolutely. And there is a silver lining. And actually, the silver lining didn't show up today. It's sh- showing up in, in, in reasonable measures over the last one or two years. Uh, situation is really changing on the ground. Even if you were to just think of it that worst case scenario, the situation is not changing on the ground. You just about, you will you'll have to sacrifice the next two to three years of profits to clean up the entire bad loans in the sector. So and that's assuming all loans go bad. Uh, that's assuming all loans go bad. And, and your is, entire profits are nothing but provisioning for loans. Absolutely. It'll take just three years of profit. It'll just so take I'm, two to three years. I don't want to make three years sound like a small deal, but three years is at least shorter than 10 years. It's at least shorter, as I said, PSU banks have not made a single penny yeah. in the last five years. Hmm. So if you come, if you cross five years hurdle, hmm. three years yeah. looks relatively smaller when it comes to five years. And mind you, I'm talking about cleaning up the entire loan book. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. economy needs that. Yeah, obviously. Right. Obviously. So from a realistic perspective, you're just talking about one, one and a half year yeah. of profits that you need to be sacrificed to be calling yourself healthy again. Yeah. Okay. The second is obviously the regulatory mindset is also changing a hmm. lot. And which is what is leading to everything. Most of the regulations and the regulatory architecture in India has been always favoring the borrower. Mm. This is the first time uh, under this government they have instituted uh, the insolvency bankruptcy code, which is a very powerful regulation and which is for the first time favoring the lenders and the creditors. Mm. Uh, And this is also resulting in fixing this problem. Mm. And as I said, in most of the things we are are so... the the slow the slowdown has been so prolonged that these things really come in handy to fix the problem faster than later hmm. okay and that's a wrap on the first part of the equity sahiya podcast brought to you by motilal oswal asset management company remember this is a two part series focusing on the banking sector in this first part we spoke about the evolution and the potential of the banking sector and the npa crisis stay tuned for the second part where we're going to talk about the future of India's banking sector and a framework to identify stocks. So stay tuned for that. How aware do you think you are of your laws and rights? Do you look up to laws when you are caught up in situations? Do you know what your rights are when you're stuck somewhere bad? Well, here's a show that can help you move an inch closer to being aware of what your rights are. Tune into Know Your Kanoon with me, Amar Rana. This is a podcast meant to answer all your law-related queries. Catch Know Your Kanoon every week on the IVM website or the app or anywhere you get your podcast from. Hey, this is Shridhar Ditya. And I'm Amit Doshi. And we host Shunya One. It's a really fun podcast where we talk to some of the best entrepreneurs in the country. Yes, talking about everything from their startup challenges to what they're building and all the future of technology right here. So catch us on the IBM Podcast website app or wherever you listen to your podcast from. 